Welcome to Mindspace Minimal. We're your hosts, Daniel Ryan and Jessica Yatrofsky. You can find us on iTunes and Spotify. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. We hope you enjoy this episode. How are you today, Jessica? I'm I'm here. <laughs> Good answer. Yeah. I'm here too, I think, as far as I can tell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we just finished putting out the first set of episodes that we originally recorded some time ago, months ago now, in what we might accurately describe as an entirely different world. And uh, one of the first things we wanted to do here today was just kind of, I guess, recap that a little bit to express to the listeners the the gap between what we put out earlier and where we are today. And then also talk a little bit about what it's been like for us staying at home, quarantine, and just the, uh, the evolution that's been experienced from March to April to may and now where we are june 15th as we record this so all that being said on a 10 point scale jessica how was your quarantine um you're gonna have to be a little bit more specific about that (laughs) you mean emotionally physically exactly psychologically no i mean i can be more exact of course but Mm -hmm. you know feel free i mean How's the last couple of months months been for you? What would you say? And just uh, starting with March, please. Mm-hmm. March was an interesting month because I felt, I mean, you know that I'm a recluse, so I don't have a problem quarantining. Um, that's kind of what I do. And then when I'm not, I'm with people or in a client's home right. or socializing. Um, but when you're also- not a recluse, you're not reclusive. Right. And, and minimally, like I'm socializing minimally, you know, I spend a lot of my socializing time with friends on, on the phone, talking to family on the phone. So I'm very used to that type of lifestyle. So I kind of went into it with the sense of, oh, okay. You know, everybody else has to do this now too. And thinking in a hopeful manner that this will end soon. Mm -hmm maybe in a month or two months and this will pass. And as the time went on, I started to get very anxious about the state of the world Mm. and um, friends and family's health, their mental health, their livelihoods, just all around well-being of everyone and our healthcare workers and Um, Our city, we live in New York, so it's hit us pretty hard here and taking quarantining very seriously, social distancing very seriously. Like this is the first time I'm seeing you, Dan, Mm -hmm. since when did I see you last? I think it was February, if I'm not mistaken. So it's been a long time and it feels... um, weird and Mm -hmm. i know that we're not going to go back to quote normal nor should we Mm -hmm. it's going to be a 
a new world that we're going to enter back into. Um, we don't know when that is. You and I have talked on the phone a lot about uncertainty. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think, so how I've been feeling <laughs> is all, all over the place. Mm-hmm. Like I'll have moments of uh, hysteria where I'm just like laughing <laughs> and like, this is crazy. Mm-hmm. And then moments where I'm crying and moments where I have high anxiety and moments where I'm just like staring at the wall and then moments of, you know, decompressing, um, Lovely moments of experiencing the city during quarantine in the earlier months, walking around where nobody was around. Those are important. You know, I, not that we need to talk too much about them today, but it's just, I have such an awareness of that too. There was in March and April, something in the the peace and the quiet of mm-hmm. all of us staying at home, perhaps in the shock of it too. Yeah. That while there were very, very serious things happening, medical things happening that we all needed to be mindful of uh, regarding our health and wellness, there was an unmistakable peace in mm-hmm. New York City, of all places. Yeah. No honking horns. No. You know, I mean, our neighborhood's quieter than they ever had been, perhaps. No planes. No planes. Yeah, it, a absence of noise that... I found incredible, actually. And, you know, again, without mourning anything and just it's we're definitely beyond that now. You know, Mm -hmm. that was a moment. Certainly. And and I even think what a time we're living in, especially in New York, where your basic mode of transportation is your feet. So you are connected with nature in this way every day when you go out on the sidewalk and um, at least co- concrete, if not. Yeah, <laughs> but you're convening with nature, at least in Brooklyn. There's like lots of trees, lots of birds. People are yeah. really getting into the bird watching thing during <laughs> quarantine. We're like identifying the sounds of birds. And, you know, it, it is interesting because now we're post that phase. We're in phase one, I guess. Right. Whatever um, that is. And I think that um, as we move into what feels to me like we're still quarantining. Like it doesn't feel like we've moved into any other phase. I guess phase one is just more restaurants have opened for takeout. Mm. And that's wonderful because (laughs) these businesses need to come back and they need to, you know, people need to work. Um, I think it was really important to experience what the city was like when everybody just shut the fuck up. Absolutely. Yeah. That it, was incredible. Well, yes. To that point, I, I'm, it's made me more all in on this city. I've, I've got some friends who are naturally, in response to the city being the epicenter of a pandemic, are like, I'm out of here. You know, mm-hmm. people with families or kids or whatever who are like, it's, it's just a little too intense. It's time mm-hmm. for us to go. Which so I, many people left. I was like, okay. Yeah, which I totally get. <laughs> but I am. It's made me more invested in in the city. Actually, just in, mm-hmm. in the way you're describing it, and I'm all in. I love it. And seven o'clock, right? Every night at seven o'clock, everyone's clapping, yeah. and it's so powerful here. Um, I send messages or I put it on Instagram. Um, what happens in the city at seven o'clock, what happens in Brooklyn at 7 PM when everyone's clapping and making sounds mm-hmm. with their pots and pans. And mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Like I call it clapping and crying because 
I yeah. just start, it, it moves me in such a way that I just start crying. Like I'm tearing right now. Like I'm tearing right now. Yeah. <laughs> the, like thinking about this. Truly. And, um, in my neighborhood in particular, there's somebody that comes out with like a, a trombone or something and mm-hmm. does a call mm-hmm. at seven o'clock too. Mm-hmm. So like everybody's clapping. So sometimes I'm in the apartment, I have tambourines. Mm-hmm. So I'll just like tambourine out the window and just be like, woo. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I'll be walking outside with my mask on and my glasses and I'm just like totally crying and mm-hmm. it's great because no one can really see you so i'm like sobbing <laughs> underneath my mask and clapping and walking i'm like this is my fresh air for the day mm-hmm. and i'm just like Ugh. <laughs> but you know and it makes me emotional like especially if you see somebody walking by while everyone's clapping and they're wearing scrubs sure like and i don't know if they're like a dental hygienist or if they're working <laughs> you know in Nobody wherever knows. they're working yeah. they're exposing themselves yeah. to Everything. Yeah, I've so, seen uh, people just wandering through grocery stores and in scrubs have their groceries bought for them, and nobody knows where they're coming from or what they do. Yeah. Nobody asks. It doesn't matter, frankly. Just you know, yeah. Uh, it is. It's and it 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 has all of the feelings in it, all the happiness and the sadness mm-hmm. and the joy and the confusion. And part it of my does. interrupting. And it's such a great release. Yeah. Every night when everybody can do that, and I've met neighbors and have had you know, relationships start through this, mm-hmm. um, Oh gosh. Yeah. Pandemic. So, so many things that would not have happened otherwise. And again, I don't yeah. say that to compare anything that is good or bad and in recognition of all of the atrocity in the background. Mm-hmm. And again, the reality of the pandemic and yes, in spite of that, so many positive things and relationships that would not have happened otherwise. Yeah, it's true. And I think it really brings us back to this sense of what, really does matter mm-hmm. is your family, your health, yeah. your well-being and the well-being of your friends and family. And the ironic thing is that we can't touch each other. Yeah. We can't hold each other, we can't hug, we can't show affection in ways that if anything we really need right now. Yeah. Um which are basic human needs. There there's a study I'm forgetting. I wish I, I remembered offhand the sources, but of infant children who receive plenty of touch versus infants who do not Mm -hmm. receive uh, human touch for whatever reasons. And of course, uh, yeah, it it really just kind of speaks for the basic necessity uh, of not just touch, but how it equates to care at the Mm -hmm. end of the day. So how are you doing? (laughs) How have you been doing (laughs) through this? Thank you. Yes. I've had all the feelings too. Uh, March, as we were saying, was marked by this kind of shock that bled into April that was all about pausing and staying at home and integrating everything that was happening as it was happening. And without wanting to move through anything too fast, you know, coming to June 15th where we are, you know, it has felt like a very... I'll say a natural progression, but, you know, I don't actually know how natural it's been. Uh, But this sense of really becoming very still and staying at home through March and April and just slowly kind of expanding outward. My wife, Sarah, and I have been walking our dog regularly and have spent more time together probably in the last couple months than we have in the last couple of years, which has been wonderful. We go for nice long walks and get lots of fresh air. 
my practice has been moved to virtual, which fortunately I can do offering hypnosis and regression therapy through the computer. It isn't a replacement for the one-on-one experience, but it does also work and in fact can sometimes be more impactful because people are in their homes, they have all their conveniences and comforts around them. There's no distractions as long as we have a strong internet connection. So all this is a way of saying, I think I've been able to positively adapt and um, I've been joking too that socializing now looks for me the way a a deck or a presentation about social media would have looked like in 2005 presented to somebody who had no idea what it was. And just like these small expanding (laughs) circles of four people and then six people and then 12 people and then 24. And that's basically what me like and Sarah and kind of my conversation with my friends and family is all about now, just kind of re-expanding our circles and masks and gloves and, and everything at the pace that people are comfortable with, with all the necessary precautions at hand. Uh, But this idea of, you know, okay, so socializing with four people and then trying it with six and then trying it with eight. And, you know, who knows when we'll be back on the subway. Yeah. Did you see those videos going around in Cuomo? He tweeted, don't make me come down there to the people on St. Mark's. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... I have no one was wearing masks. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I'm I'm not going to place judgment on either side. Obviously, no. I, I was just saying, like, look at that. Yeah, completely. Completely. <laughs> That's just the thing. I mean, it's New York City. So there's always going to be a contingent of people here that that don't follow the rules. And there's always going and I'm not saying it's cool. I'm not permissive, uh, permitting bad behavior or anything like that. I'm, I'm just saying, you know, I think it's pointing out, though, that people are sick of this shit. Like, we're sick of not having answers. We're sick of the uncertainty. And I'm actually quite impressed, though, that people have figured out how to be home. Oh, yeah. I never thought that could happen. I've had some of the most restless friends finally calm the fuck down. Yeah. And that's, like, beautiful and amazing. People that are prone to catastrophizing have been vindicated. Yeah. So that feels really good. I mean, there's a lot of other stuff that, you know, is is not great that's happening in the world. But just to be able to have time where you're not forced to commute, you're not forced to go into the city. So what I've discovered Mm. through this process, surprisingly, that I like working with clients virtually Mm -hmm. because they're the best clients Mm. when they're virtual Mm. because they are there, they are driven, they are focused, they are committed to doing the work. That's true. And they're doing it in a way where they're taking accountability. They're not just expecting me to come to their place Mm -hmm. and do it for them. Mm -hmm. The the handholding has taken a different role or placement. yeah, Yeah. And a different direction. So, I feel like virtually we've been doing deeper work mm-hmm. and, you know, sometimes it goes a little bit over and that, and, and I can do that now because I'm home so I can give the client a little bit more time and we can dive a little bit deeper and have those deeper lessons and connections and discussions and cathartic moments through the process. So I think that that has taught me something like, wow, you know, I didn't think 
virtual with this type of work could necessarily be as effective as me being in person, but I've found that it's actually been more effective with the people that I've been working with now. Sure. So it's kind of reframes the way I thought about my own practice. Yeah. That's, I think that's a discovery that will be continuing to kind of discover for a while, you know, Twitter, for instance, and many other businesses allowing a certain number of their employees to work at home now and, and putting these policies out there publicly. I think there's been a, a a wider kind of realization that, again, we could call a new normal, but I think, you know, I, I hesitate and I've tried to stop thinking in terms of coming back to anything or going back to anything or going towards anything. It's just here we are. And this is unfolding. But yeah, this idea of, oh, I can work this way and not only that, but it can be more impactful. It can yeah. be more powerful. I've certainly had my mind opened to what is possible virtually, if mm-hmm. only out of necessity at the beginning, but have really found it to be true as well. I've had moments too where I, I know you know that I'm kind of all over the place. Like even now I'm talking with my hands. <laughs> even though people can't see me, I'm talking with my hands. And I love to teach people things by showing them. Mm-hmm. So being in my home is really awesome because mm-hmm. I just pick up the computer and I walk into my closet and I'm like, see like this. I'm ah. like, this is what ascending looks like. Mm-hmm. This is what the color coding looks like. This is some options of like how you can organize this drawer or how you can organize this space. So that's been really cool as mm-hmm. opposed to, oh, you'll get it in our follow-up email link. Like mm-hmm. I can actually show them so they can have this visual example mm-hmm. as opposed to just me trying to explain the different options of what they could create in their spaces. Um, and, you know, doing demonstrations on the computer to me seems the same as doing it in person. Mm-hmm. It's the only thing that's a little bit tricky is that I can't see into all of their nooks and crannies. Like they give me the tour on their phone sure. and their computer, but you know me, I'm just like, what's in that? Yeah, space? exactly. And there's some closets <laughs> they're not showing you, right? <laughs> yeah. But um they've all been pretty good. Sure. At, sure. You know, just kind of a bit bearing all. Yeah. So that's been pretty cool. So I have another question, another subject I want to talk about related to the last couple months and quarantine in general. Sleep has been a kind of constant subject, as it is a constant subject in our lives to begin with. But this idea of strange dreams, inconsistent sleep, interrupted sleep, insomnia versus sleeping 16 hours a day and how it can kind of change every couple days and that it's actually... There doesn't seem to be much of a pattern with it. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm speaking now for the many different reports I've heard from many different people, as well as myself and looking at my own sleep. This is a bit of my experience as well. Now, as we are not afraid to talk about metaphysical stuff and existential stuff, to the extent that there may also be an opportunity for metamorphosis happening or some okay. kind of natural <laughs> metamorphosis happening here. Do and I need to put a seatbelt on for this? Maybe. Okay. Uh, and, you know, change starting small in the subconscious mind and kind of emerging slowly and unfolding there. Uh, looking at, at this together, uh, tell me about how you've been sleeping. What are your dreams telling you? What are you noticing? Oh, boy. 
have some fun with it. Do, I'm happy to start too. I can, I'll jump in if this, you'd like. I don't want this to be a therapy session on me. Our last, I basically, I was looking back at our last four episodes and they were all like therapy for me <laughs> a long time ago, but you know, it was still fun. Um, but it needn't be therapy, but it also, it can be therapeutic. Okay. Well, for sleeping, um, so I don't want to brag, but I was sleeping really well for how, a while. How could you? <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> but I was having a good time sleeping. Um, I try to go to sleep pretty early. Mm-hmm. For me, that means I'd like to be in bed by 11. That's It would be awesome if I can get into bed by 10, but that is just not happening here. So by 11, been going to bed. And then I've been doing this yoga in bed. Did I tell you about that? No. Where you like get in bed. It's like... 15 or 20 minutes. Um, if people are interested, I can put the link in the show notes. Right. Um, and I sit in bed and I just do a series of, it's like forward folds mm-hmm. and some deep breathing. And by the time, cause you're supposed to do it in the bed. Mm-hmm. And then once you get to the last position is Shavasana and mm-hmm. she's like, you know, I, I'm not going to bring you out of Shavasana. So just, you know, relax and you do the breathing and literally like two breaths in, Mm -hmm. I'm out. I'm sleeping. So I've been doing that for months now. And I often, cause I bring my blah, my yoga blocks in the bed Mm -hmm. and I'll just fall asleep in a forward fold. (laughs) So I'll just be on two blocks like weekend at Bernie's style and fall asleep and I'll wake up and I'm like, Oh, it worked. And then I'll just lay down and go right to bed. So I've been doing that. But, and I know that we're going to talk about this too um, during this episode, once the protests started happening Mm. here, Mm -hmm. we are also in the epicenter of the protests and the, uh, there was some rioting happening and there was also some other crazy things going on. A lot of sirens, a lot of helicopters. I live near Barclays and kind of equidistant from uh, Grand Arby Plaza. So I hear everything and there are helicopters going over my home Mm -hmm. every all day, all night. I'm surprised we don't hear it right now. So, um, I started getting really bad anxiety and panic attacks a few weeks ago and that has affected my sleep and it's also caused a lot of weird nightmares. Mm -hmm. So, um, I know people are having like COVID nightmares too Mm -hmm. and, um, So there's a lot of like COVID nightmares, a lot of just interrupted sleep because I'll hear some kind of weird helicopter or something. And then literally when we had the full moon, uh, was that last week? I think so. Yeah. There was just a sliver of my curtain was open and the moon woke me up. Hmm. It was like casting light right into my eyes. And I, I literally woke up and I was like, thanks. Yeah. Cool. The moon was just like, Jessica. <laughs> yeah. And it, the moon's in Gemini. My birthday is on the 18th. It's well, there you in go. two days, three days. Yeah. Three days. Yeah. So I was like, hello, Gemini moon. I think it was a <laughs> strawberry moon or something. I'm not sure. Hmm. Uh, we're going to talk about that stuff eventually. But um, yeah, so the sleep has been pretty consistent at the beginning of the quarantining. And then it just started to get worse with everything going on, um, in, in our country specifically, mm-hmm. because it feels closer to home. I feel like it even, is close to home. Yeah. Even with COVID since me and 
my immediate family and friends have not been affected by the virus. Mm -hmm. There was a sense of um, relief with that, Mm -hmm. but there's no sense of relief with what's going on in society Mm -hmm. and with the police Mm -hmm. (laughs) departments Mm -hmm. uh, around the country. And so that feels to me, I think mostly why I'm not being able to relax and to sleep. And um, yeah, so I don't know if you want me to keep speaking about that, or if you want to kind of chime in on. I'm happy to chime in yeah. and, and happy to continue listening to. Again, coming back to the reports of many different people and the clients that I've worked with and the friends that I've spoken to and speaking for myself and my wife, and not speaking for my wife, but just by conversation with her and our family <laughs> Uh, it's just all of these reports of interrupted sleep, catastrophic mm-hmm. dreams, uh, nightmares, COVID nightmares. Mm-hmm. And then again, also, hopefully, nights of perfectly restful, placid sleep mm-hmm. that is also rejuvenating. And then, you know, days or nights of 16 hours of sleep that may mm-hmm. feel luxurious or exorbitant, but are actually very refreshing and, and good for the system. You know, sleep being a keystone of our mental and, and well, every kind of health, really. How are you sleeping? Inconsistent. You know, there are generally well, and there are nights when I'm up three times. There are mornings when I'm up at dawn for no reason and you know just be up at 5 a.m and that's that what do you do are you anxious or do you get up and do something i get up and do stuff i I try to use the time i'll actually you know mornings can be very enjoyable you know usually uh my wife sarah and my dog levi are still asleep in the bedroom and enjoying their luxurious kind of of shared bedtime and i'm out doing something trying to not make too much noise um, either watching something or reading something or writing emails or involved in some relaxing morning ritual too, of course. So, you know, all this is a way of saying there's no set, this is what it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if anything, there's an absence of routine. It's also worth mentioning Sarah and I moved into a new apartment in early February. We were very, very lucky right before everything got very serious. Uh, So we've had the time to nest and build our home and focus on that and enjoy that part of it, uh, which has been a huge theme for Mm -hmm. us of the last couple months uh, in the metamorphosis that we have been going through and experiencing. So yeah, inconsistent, a lack of routine, an absence of routine, a constant adaptation, uh, a, a pleasure and a a productivity and a joy and being able to focus on home mm-hmm. and the core right now and, and grateful for it. But again, we're past that. You know, that was March and April and maybe a little bit of May. And here we are now in mid-June, which to your point, there this isn't a political podcast, but mm-hmm. insofar as the protests and civil unrest and the dry tinder that was the quarantine and staying at home mm-hmm. that was so easily lit on fire a couple of weeks ago that it you know, doesn't seem to be still burning, but that we're all still feeling yeah. the heat from that directly impacts our mental health that directly impacts our wellness and that directly impacts our moods and our day to day, which is, you know, something I'm still processing and integrating too. But anyway, please, what were you saying? 
Oh, just that I'm unraveling yeah. as, as time goes by and it's a little bit tough to kind of decide where that's coming from because there's so much going on. And again, I'm going to say we live in New York, so there's this kind of quadruple pressure, um, the state of things. Mm-hmm. And I remember saying this to several friends and they kind of chuckled about it. But I said, there's going to be civil unrest. I can feel it after we went through the second month. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know it was going to be Black Lives Matter. Mm -hmm. I certainly didn't see that coming. Um, Also, absolutely not surprised by it. Mm -hmm. But I... I I was just thinking, you know, wow, it's so incredible how we all just accepted that there's, you know, the city's not doing anything and the government's not doing anything and the president's not doing anything. Or when I say that, I mean, we're not feeling any support here. Yeah. That's the idea. The support is from our communities and people helping each other and our families and it just kind of felt a little bit like we've been left hung out to dry a bit or things are fucked up and they're taking forever to process. And, you know, there, there's just it, just craziness. So I thought people were going to take to the streets because of um, rent in New York, sure. um, because it's been months since people have been able to work. What is it? Four months now. Yeah. You can't live like that in New York. I mean, people live paycheck to paycheck here. It's a big issue. It's a serious issue. And mm-hmm. how can people feed their families? People are going through crisis if they're sick, if they've all if they were already sick before this all happened. So, I thought people were going to take to the streets about that. Mm-hmm. And then <clears throat> lo and behold, some of the biggest protests ever taking place now, and I'm like, "Hell, yeah." Mm-hmm. Because we're not going to take it anymore. This is absolute bullshit. I love that during the pandemic, we had an opportunity to be a captivated audience and to open our eyes and see what's really going on in the world. I don't know that that would have happened if we weren't in this position. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is that. It is civil unrest. It's probably also more than just civil unrest, but it's definitely civil unrest. Uh, Coming back to this podcast as an exploration of lifestyle, Mm -hmm. wellness, mental health, lifestyle as medicine, art, culture. This uh, isn't a, a political podcast, but it's worth mentioning. And just speaking for myself, you know, in speaking to my experience of the whiteness of wellness, generally. Now, there's not a word I could say, text, type, or anything else that would transcend my whiteness. So putting that out there and appreciating that, uh, there has been a kind of one-dimensional, yeah, just kind of like the luxury and the bubble of, of wellness as it has been for a long, long time, really, having grown up with past life regression. Um, it's only gotten more so in the last 20 years, but it, I remember seeing the same kind of thing in the 1990s. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
So, you know, the, the breaking open of that mentality, first of all, having some kind of greater shared vocabulary that transcends certainly race, but would hopefully transcend way more than that Mm -hmm. about our universal common shared wellness and the, the things as human beings that again are true for all of us, things like sleep, things like digestion. And there's been a handful of voices on all sides of the discussion throughout the pandemic that have been saying, use lifestyle as medicine now more than ever. If there's an obesity crisis within the United States Mm -hmm. that we don't talk about, which there is, use lifestyle as medicine. That is your best one of your best defenses right now is to take that on. And that's something that we could definitely talk about too. I don't want to spend too much time on it today, but you know, I I tried some fasting over the course of the quarantine and, and it, playing with diet and stuff like mm-hmm. that and had mixed results you know sometimes it was positive sometimes negative etc anyway coming back to uh, the protests and, and black lives matter and on this podcast we support the black lives matter movement and if you do not like that you should probably turn us off right now <laughs> <laughs> and if you don't like that maybe you should keep listening because maybe you'll learn something. Maybe that. The, there's a concurrence and a simultaneity of protest, activism, trauma. And it's usually all set in motion by an injustice, you know, by the knee on the neck in the video that's that, the most recent one anyway. And using that spark metaphorically in this particular case. But the inciting moment that sets everything kind of in motion and again, that was that lit the dry tinder of all of us at home, and, yeah. and, and um, well, yeah, just in our places. So, if anything, <clears throat> my position as one who offers hypnosis and regression therapy is wanting to soothe and calm people's nervous systems. It, I remember from my own political awakening in 2004 when I was doing some, uh, I was working for a political act- action committee called Downtown for Democracy, which is still active here in the city. And we were registering voters in swing states and putting on fundraisers and parties here in the city. And it was, I got paid in t shirts and pizza, but it was very cool. It was fun to be part of. And again, it was a kind of awakening for me. It's 2004, the Carrie Bush election. Obviously, Kerry lost, which was also very traumatizing for me. It was like I, I, I honestly would, had drank the Kool Aid to the extent that I just didn't think that was possible. And another thing I learned, especially looking back on that in retrospect of that election and that whole experience, is the pitch and frequency of people's emotions and the Kool Aid that's being passed around mm-hmm. when. You know, these words we use and have been have such baggage now. But, you know, when we get attached to ideologies or philosophy or whatever it is that we get swept up in the emotions and, you know, we're talking about the same kind of brain that is willing to join a cult under these circumstances or the same kind of brain that's going to be like, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to drink this Kool-Aid and trust that leader to jump off this cliff with, you know, so. Zooming out from that and just coming back to soothing and calming nervous systems, mm-hmm. there's a traumatization and a an active kind of trauma 
that while happening in the human brain, you know, just we don't make the best decisions and we can't, we can't communicate our messages well. We can't take forward and organize and strategize as well as we could otherwise. And, you know, I, I do so greatly believe and want so many of these sweeping changes that seem to beginning to become greater and greater as time goes on and believe that the best chances, I'm going to say we, whoever we is, uh, but the best chances that uh, the protesters and activists have, I feel, you know, just starting from a fundamental human position, is a calm nervous system. Mm-hmm. To organize, to strategize, to plan. Killer Mike has this list of five things. I'm forgetting exactly what it is, but it is like this. It's like plan, mobilize, strategize, get in your community, run for office, solidify and focus your message. You know, because I was watching another uh, Daily Show video with Trevor Noah the other day, and he was talking a lot about leadership and, you know, the presence of leadership versus a multitudinous leadership, too much leadership leadership versus not enough. Um, I think that's an important conversation here because it, it needs focus. It, it, usually these things do need competent leadership. Looking, for instance, like we're saying, the pandemic response, not very competent leadership, right? No. <laughs> so uh, the opposite of that in a sense. I mean... When a person like Sean Penn has to get involved in COVID testing, we've failed. When we're relying on celebrities in general. To do anything. They they act and they entertain us. Which God bless them. No yeah. judgment there, but no, you know. it's great. Like I love that everybody, they're they're citizens of, of the world, you know, they they have humanitarian intents and that's wonderful, but that shouldn't be they shouldn't be our saviors. That makes me really sad. But I also think that, um, I've been thinking about the role of the ally and trying to do what I can, the best that I can from the place that I'm coming from. And I've found different ways, you know, whether it's donating to causes, um, listening, doing a lot of listening, I think is the most important thing. That's why I even hesitate to talk too much about this because it is about us listening. Yeah, and, um, and let's say that too. Pardon my interruption, mm-hmm. but you know, speaking from the position of my whiteness, I mostly want to listen. We have a podcast here where we talk to each other. I know but, we're listening to each other. But the message, <laughs> yeah, the message is ultimately listening. And I have learned so many things about my whiteness in just the last couple of weeks that I'm mm-hmm. so glad to have learned because of this overwhelming new sense of messaging and all of the things that are out there. And I considered myself open and listening before, but you know, there it's, so anyway, yes, just wanting to really reaffirm and emphasize that idea of listening. Yeah. And I'm trying to take action and, um, share with people. Um, there's this criticism that if you talk on, like if you use your platform to talk about these things that you're talking into a bubble, but a person like me with my social media following, I actually don't have just same type people following me. Mm. So when I would post certain things, I would get like hate messages from people. So that makes me feel good in a sense where I'm like, no, I am one of those people that I was reaching people that don't agree with my political views or my views about just being a fucking human being. So I'm happy about that. Mm. 
Um, but I've not found anything to be more cathartic than going out and protesting. Mm. That is literally the best feeling. That's the only thing that has made me feel like part of a movement and part of something that I know is going to bring about change. Mm. It's just made me feel physically active yeah. as opposed to just posting a ton of stuff online. And I've kind of even pulled back on that and I have a link and I have resources and I also have a feminist collective where we're talking about these things as well called New York Femme Factory and continuing to do that work and have these tough conversations. But what I'm trying to share with my friends and family is if we're white, we need to be having these tough conversations with our white friends mm. and family. And that's the best that I can do right now. Um, I'm, something cool, though, that I've learned through this um, is some of the brands that they, I'm sure you've seen, like people are really um, promoting a lot of Black-owned businesses oh, yeah. and um, Indigenous and people of color, their businesses. And I was surprised by two things. One, how much of these brands that I didn't even know that they were people of color or black or indigenous, mm -hmm. that I did have some of their products. Mm -hmm. So I felt good about that, but I felt bad that I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. And then the second thing was, second thing or third thing? Where am I on to? I okay. I'm, I'm somewhere. <laughs> we're here. Whatever. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> the other thing I did learn was really the power of my dollar mm. and They've shared online, you know, friends and people resharing things. Mm -hmm. I've found so many fantastic companies, brands, organizations, independent artists that I can now support their work because now I'm aware of them. Mm -hmm. So that's something really great that has come out of this and um, makes me feel more connected and not in a bubble. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and the last thing is just learning some more about, well, New York Fun Factory, we, we do a lot about literature, so I am kind of aware of that, but mm -hmm. learning more. It's not just about reading revolutionary texts. It's about reading fiction and nonfiction written by people of color and indigenous people and black people. Mm -hmm. So it's it, it's about a lifelong move towards educating yourself yeah it's just about staying connected to it and mm -hmm. black lives matter is going to continue mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. it's not just this rush to just uh, buy everything right now and read everything right now and see every documentary right now fold it into your daily life yeah. as, as much as possible and as you say using your dollar and mm -hmm. educating yourself yeah. yeah, somebody did something really cool on Instagram that I really love right before I, I kind of logged off <laughs> mm -hmm. for a while. Mm -hmm. um, they showed, okay, this is what you could do right now. Okay, great. You know, give money to these causes right now. This is what this looks like long term. This is how you can help long term. And mm -hmm. I thought, wow, that's really really helpful. It was like now versus systemic, yeah. like how you can actually make a change over time by being consistent. So I think if anything, what I'm taking away and also sharing with my community is the importance of being consistent and the importance of 
learning, continuously learning how to be an ally. Mm -hmm. And that's really kind of where I'm at right now. Mm -hmm. And yeah. So on that note, I'm excited to introduce a new segment that will be partially hosted by my wife and better half, Dr. Sarah Biffin, called Wellness Realness, where we explore certain subjects or articles or topics or trends or things that are taking place in the wellness world. And without wanting to place judgment, certainly without unnecessarily disparaging anything or anyone that is antithetical ultimately to what we're about, we do want to talk real talk about what is going on with certain things the same way we do hypnosis, meditation, mindfulness in general, acknowledging as we have the exclusivity of the wellness scene in New York City, the whiteness of the wellness scene in New York City, all of these aspects of these subjects really that have been part particularly of this city uh, and their existence here as long as I've been here. And really just wanting to lovingly acknowledging that we are part of this community. We're not looking at it from any kind of separate position. We're holding up the mirror with a sense of wanting to look productively at what's going on, to take what's useful and leave the rest. Is again, to kind of parse out exactly that. The most useful and helpful and true and and genuinely real things that will keep us well versus stuff that might just be kind of like trends or fluff or noise. And nobody's better than that than my wife, Sarah. So we're going to have her here uh, very soon as our first guest Mm -hmm. to introduce Wellness Realness and to talk about what it is. So we're super excited about having Sarah on. Um, I have so many questions for her, I think, which is why we discussed having her on a lot. We're going to be having her on a lot. Um, She will be the first guest and we're going to have some other guests coming along as well. And I think um, it would also be a good time to share that we are going to roll out something called minimal soats. Mm -hmm. So these are going to be shorter versions of um, the Mindspace Minimal episodes. Mm -hmm. And They're just basically going to be episodes where we riff and share our thoughts on a variety of topics, answer listener questions as minimally as possible. (laughs) So if you guys do have any questions for me, for Dan, or a topic that you'd like to hear us just just touch on (laughs) quickly, just a little tap of information, um, you can send your questions to us at mindspaceminimal at gmail. And that's also in the show notes. It's mm-hmm. also on the website. So check that out and look for those episodes and definitely look for our next episode with Sarah. Mm-hmm. And yeah, thanks for listening to this episode today. Thank you very much for listening. Good to talk with you today, Jessica. You too. Bye now. Bye. You can find us on iTunes and Spotify. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Visit MindspaceMinimal.com and email us at MindspaceMinimal at gmail.com. That's M-I-N-D-S-P-A-C-E-M-I-N-I-M-A-L.com. Keep it minimal and keep it moving. Thanks again for listening.